What is the perfect story? Does it exist? Is there a tangible formula? Has the perfect story ever been told? And if so, are we simply trying to retell the story over and over? This podcast is called The Midnight Myth, and somewhere between the black of night and the break of dawn, there is a story, and it's perfect. My name is Derek Jones. And my name is Laurel Hostack. Welcome to The Midnight Myth. Welcome back, everybody, to The Midnight Myth, everybody's favorite mythology, history, pop culture podcast. Super excited to bring you episode 60B, the next installment of our focus character case study on the new Star Wars protagonist, Ray. Would you dare to say that this is episode two of episode 60? If the we're doing this Ray. by Star Wars rules? Yes, absolutely. Or would this be episode eight? It would be episode... Five. No, I think it's episode uh, five and three quarters. Oh, okay, great. Welcome back to episode five and three quarters. But it's all in Roman numerals. Absolutely. Inexplicably, even though it's in a galaxy far, far away. So hopefully you guys tuned into our podcast last week. I don't want to say that you had to have listened to the podcast last week to listen to this week, we're continuing our deep dive character case study into Ray. Yeah, we will expand on some themes that we introduced last week, but we did very specifically segment these off into one that focuses on her character development through The Force Awakens, and then this week, which will focus on her character development through The Last Jedi. And so this week, we're going to pick up kind of where we left off. We're not going to do a lot of a plot summary so we do recommend that you have seen both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi prior to listening to this. And if you haven't, we are going to spoil the ever-living fuck out of them. So make sure that you are comfortable with that or you've seen them. Yeah, catch up. So I'd like to really kind of jump into Rey in The Force Awakens because on one hand, I think we have elevated the character Ray in The Last Jedi, and we have expanded on the themes that we've seen in The Last Jedi, the mentorless Jedi, the Jedi that doesn't have anyone to guide her. And on the other hand, I also want to submit that one of the problems of understanding Ray in The Force Awakens is that sure, she is constantly being juxtaposed against great characters like Han Solo. I think that problem is magnified in The Last Jedi in that the first hour of this movie, it's constantly her and Luke. And Luke, I don't think intentionally, but it overshadows Rey because we see Luke as a disheveled shell of his former Jedi glory. Right. We, we know that the film is conscious of its place in this franchise, and it's conscious in this place and its place in this ever-evolving and ever-expanding narrative universe. 
And by that end, the characters are going to exhibit parallels. And anytime you put two characters together who are from an old and highly respected franchise next to somebody who's new and and just being introduced to that world, we're going to invite these comparisons. And we're going to say on many levels, like Ray is the Luke of the new Star Wars trilogy. And so we're constantly going to be comparing back to what we consider to be the gold standard. And that provides this really interesting meta conflict for us as viewers, where we are unable to really figure out what our opinions about a character are divorced from their relationship to the past. Absolutely. And, um, if the theme of Ray in The Last Jedi was the mentorless Jedi, surely we all expected that she would get mentored. And this film quite cleverly in its deconstruction of thematic Star Wars elements says no. She is not going to get mentored. And we know this. So about 11 minutes into the movie, we finally get to Ray. So there's a really long beginning action sequence when we get to Rey, it is the exact point where we left her in The Last Jedi. In Hand- The Force Awakens. Yeah. I'm sorry, yes, in The Force Awakens, pardon me. Handing Luke Skywalker his own lightsaber back to him, or rather, Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber back to Luke Skywalker. And Luke tosses it over the shoulder. And that is the signal, the cue, that this is not going to be the mentor-mentee relationship that we were all longing for. And it's signaled to all of us that this isn't your mama's Star Wars movie. It was interpreted as a symbol that Ryan Johnson was going to consciously upturn and upend Star Wars conventions. But I think we'll find through our exploration of Rey that in upending those conventions, he actually upheld so many of the promises that the franchise once made many decades ago. So let's get into it. Let's discuss all things Rey. Let's roll up our sleeves and uh, let's really figure out what's going on with Ray in this movie. And I'm going to say, it's my intro thought, harder to pin down. Force Awakens is easier to break apart and to look at the sort of core of each character. Ray's motivation in this movie is certainly at first to bring Luke Skywalker back because that's her mission and she believes in fighting the First Order. She no longer is longing just to go back to Jakku, but now she believes that she has a part to play in this fight. And she also has this other desire, which is to understand this power that has awoken in her. Yeah, she has finally decided to embrace and step out on her adventure. Her universe has expanded, the map has been filled in, and she has taken this big leap into finding out the answers she has always been looking for and jumping into this greater conflict as the central hero. So we're in a place where we are piggybacking off of all of the work that was done with this character in The Force Awakens to get her to a place where she was ready to take that jump And now there's a lot more complexity to this character, right? Because kind of what we see is a coming of age. We see a character who takes that leap and then has to really confront the fact that she's not really sure who she is. She's not sure what her place is in the universe. 
and no one has been able to give her what she wants more than anything, which is a family and an identity. So she's starting to take those moves that get her closer to that ultimate objective. The question I'd like to start with here is what happens when those who are supposed to guide you, who are supposed to help elevate you, whether those are your parents, um, whether those are a teacher, whether that is someone who's supposed to protect you like an authority figure in your community, what happens when they fail you? And we see this in this movie. So Ray's story is decidedly slow compared to the rest of the movie. Whereas the resistance is fighting on the brink of its annihilation, there is a really half-baked plot to try to save them by Finn, Rose, and Poe that seems doomed on the outset and, in fact, is doomed. While these characters are hanging on to the very thread of their lives, we get a much slower place for Rey to be. We get her on um, Octu, the original Jedi Temple, the place where the Jedi Order began. And her at that, she has time to really develop, to ruminate, herself to meditate, to, to even connect with other people in the galaxy through the Force in her Kylo Ren connection. And at that point, what Rey needs is Rain needs a teacher. Uh, even Luke says this to her. And Luke, as a teacher, fails Ray. And how do we deal with when the people that are supposed to be there for us fail us? And I think that's the, the, the context in which I look at Ray's development in this movie, because she has to figure it out on her own. Yeah, it's a major theme of the movie is coming to terms with the failure of those that came before you or coming to terms with your own failure in the face of a new generation, which is why I consider this somewhat of a coming of age story. This is sort of where Ray comes into her own because a major part of every human's coming of age and a major stop on the hero's journey is that recognition that the people who guide you and the people who lead you, your parents or your mentors or your teachers, are human as well and are fallible, which can be a really uh, just heartbreaking and earth-shattering moment to realize that something that you've looked up to and admired your entire life is broken and has issues and may have steered you wrong. It's sort of from a meta level how we all encountered Luke Skywalker in this film. Uh, Ray has had this legend of him build up in her mind that he's going to restore hope to the galaxy, that he's going to teach her how to use the force, this power. And to us, he is the ultimate good guy. And for us to see him broken down is really, it, it, it breaks us. It's a horrible and difficult thing to see. And this is one of the first places where Ryan Johnson as a director really aligns us with Ray as uh, I referred to her last week, as sort of an audience substitute, that she and us are on equal footing in our idolization of Luke Skywalker. So I'd like to draw attention. This happens about 45 minutes into the movie. Mm -hmm. And this is where Kylo and Kylo, pardon me, and Ray, their minds first connect via the Force. And when that happens... I'm going to say that this is where Ray's story actually begins in this movie. Because 
previous to that point, this is really about Luke and what Luke is doing in particular in the scenes with Ray and where Luke is at. And it's about expanding on where Luke has been, why he's kind of been there, us getting the sense of Luke being a shell of the former Jedi. Who is literally obstructing Ray's story from continuing. And when Ray and Kylo connect, our first sort of uh, step into the story from Ray's perspective, perspective really truly begins. Because it's this point where we start asking, who's doing this? Why are they connecting? In fact, the characters are literally asking us that to help us guide us along to, okay, what's this about? Why are their minds being bridged? Who is tempting who to which side? And then the connection between Kylo and Ray starts to fill in the gaps between the person, Luke, who is supposed to be there that failed. I think part of the moral that I take away from this, and I, and I don't think this is an original moral, is that when the people who are supposed to be there for you fail, you're going to get what you need elsewhere. Yeah, you're going to act out. And when you start getting what you need elsewhere, it may not be uh, in the most constructive, positive, or well-intended way. Think of a neglected child uh, who becomes an adolescent who then might turn to like hardcore drugs to fulfill that need. Or just fall in with the wrong crowd. And we see Ray starting to get more and more sucked in to Kylo. And this all happens in the backdrop of Luke reluctantly deciding to give her three lessons. So it might be fun to break down, I think, these three lessons and how they uh, correlate and work with what Kylo is simultaneously teaching her. Would that be fun? I would love to do that. That's great. So um, first lesson is Luke takes Ray uh, onto a ridge and he explains to her the force from a spiritual perspective. So she has no clue what the force is. And this is where we get the deconstruction of Rey as the Mary Sue, who's just great at everything because she's bad at this. Right? Yeah. She is completely ignorant of the force. She describes the force as like, it's a power I have that makes us move rocks. It's like someone who watched the movie and just caught like 30 seconds of it was like, Oh, that's what the force is. Right. It's like, no, you don't get it at all. And Luke taunts her about this. And so in this scene, she finally starts to reach out with her feelings and her mind goes directly to the dark. And the dark is manifested by a cave underneath the Jedi temple. And she almost starts to peel this part of the mountain across. We literally see it splinter. And Luke is petrified. He's petrified because of the raw power, a raw power that he'd only seen once before, and that was in Ben Solo. And he also tells her the lesson that the Jedi are not the keepers of the Force. Yeah, to think that that Force belongs to you is vanity because it runs through every living thing and it runs through the entire universe as this untamed and all-powerful thing that binds us together through energy. So to think that it belongs to you is just a selfish uh, interpretation that might lead you to think it's a power the Jedi have to move rocks which is a really important lesson. And it's something we expanded on in our, our last Jedi episode where Luke is in many ways talking to Ray as an adolescent first coming to 
learn about the Force, but he's also talking to us and our relationship to Star Wars. So it's a really interesting lesson in that way. And I think once it grounds the Force as a as a tangible binding energy in the universe, once Ray first gets that lesson, I think these also parallel her connections to Kylo. Yeah. So her first connection to Kylo is like, what is this? And she shoots her blaster and then she goes on her lesson and then she learns a deeper truth about the force. And we see her innate pull to the dark in this. Yeah. But we can track her attitude, right? I, I believe that at the beginning of The Last Jedi, she's first, uh, you know, this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, woman ready to ready to take on the First Order and ready to bring back hope to the Resistance. She is all in on the light side of the force here, right? So she is all in on being one of the good guys and however I need to be a good guy, that's how I'll do it. And so she is willing to put so much faith into Luke Skywalker as a symbol and as a man that that creates her worldview here. So when she is first encountering this this relationship, this connection to Kylo Ren, uh, she calls him a murderous snake. She is disgusted by him. She calls him a monster uh, because that is what he is to someone who is doubling down on the light. Uh, so this first you know, third of her story is her fully aligning with the sort of Luke side before we start to see those cracks, before things start to get a little more gray and she has to take things in from a different perspective. And Luke tells her that the Jedi being the keepers of the light side of the force is hubris. And that's her first lesson. And wow, you have a pull to the dark. Your power matches that of Kylo. We now know that because Luke Skywalker says it. She gets then her next vision right after that um, with um, what's his name? Kylo. And Kylo admits that he's a monster, but he asks her, did Luke tell you what happened? And in that, we see Kylo at operating in terms of Rey as the point of curiosity. So now that she's learned the lesson one, what the force is, it's an energy force. Where her pull is, her pull is to the dark. Where her power center is, it mirrors and matches that of Kylo. The next time she interacts with Kylo, it's a little calmer, and he says, go and find out what really happened. So if I'm a monster... Why don't you ask my mentor how I became one? And her next lesson with Luke is the lesson of the history of the Jedi, where Luke is trying to peel back and show her the peel back the onion or the layer and show her this is why the Jedi are a corrupt order, because the order itself is directly responsible for its own destruction. If the order is responsible for the rise of Darth Sidious, and the creation of a, a galaxy run by the dark side. So when Kylo says, look at the history, Luke starts giving the history. And there's a really great scene where Ray finally says, I need someone to show me my place in all of this, where she finally starts not discussing things in terms of the needs of the galaxy, but her own needs. Yeah. She says, I want, I need and she gives a voice to what's most important inside her. And at this point, Luke is still totally unprepared to do it. And then he gives 
his version of the events of what happened between him and Kylo, in which he sensed the dark in Kylo, he goes to confront Kylo, and Kylo is so dark he just destroys the temple. Right. And Ray takes this really on face value. So we cut back again into Kylo and Ray, and where she says, Hey, why you know, did you hate your father? And this is where Kylo introduces his competing philosophy to gain Ray as an ally, which is I didn't hate my father, but we must kill the past. We must destroy the symbols, people, and institutions that are in our way. Our power is more important than anything else, and we must actualize that power at any and all costs. And I kind of, you know, I don't know, but I get the sense Ray is tempted by this. Yeah. Well, it's kind of an interesting device that it was it was set up this way, and a lot of people have have put it into this context um, as a joke, but they really do feel like teenagers, right? They feel like teenagers who are acting out for the first time, who are maybe sneaking out to spend time together, even though he's the bad boy and she's the goody two shoes who's never done anything wrong, and she gets a taste of hanging out with the bad boy, and he. It kind of spoils her, right? But there's this sort of emotional and and really strange and unrecognizable connection that's undeniable between the two of them that pulls them to each other and that feels like, you know, teenagers falling in love or being infatuated with each other. And even if you don't see romance there, there is an infatuation and a chemistry between the two of them that's animal. And so for her to indulge that... Uh, she can use that as the focus of her anger, but she also is drawn to him, is pulled to him. And here's where the lesson paradigm and the lesson formula breaks down, because it starts with connect to Kylo, Luke lesson. Connect to Kylo, Luke lesson. Connect to Kylo, and she never gets the third lesson from right. Luke. What does she do? She, instead of getting the third lesson from Luke... She goes into the dark side and goes into the tunnel and then goes into that mirror dimension, if you will, where she has this vision. And the vision is of an infinite rays standing in a line, echoing each other, looking at each other. So I think it might be fun because I I have like a, a meta narrative where I'm going for this chunk, but I think let's talk a little bit more in depth about Ray's journey to the dark side tunnel. One, it mirrors what Luke did in Empire, where he goes into the dark side cave. Yes, yeah, there's a clear reference being made there. Uh, Ryan Johnson has some quotes about it that you can look up, where he said, hey, there's a Jedi temple and it's the ultimate light, then of course it makes sense that there would be ultimate dark there, which would be this place where Ray can see infinite versions of herself. That's the, that's the balance of this original Jedi temple. Powerful light, powerful dark. What do you think the mirror, cave, tunnel, whatever it is, symbolizes to Ray? It's full of really fascinating imagery, right? And it's full of, uh, of things that can go a lot of different ways if you're interpreting the symbols. But we have to go into this uh, and speaking about The Last Jedi from the perspective of a few months removed from its release and everybody's outrage uh, and, and what happened when it came out, 
But what was the question that was burning in our hearts when we first walked into that theater? The mystery box was, will we learn who Ray's parents are? That is what we have been consumed by for two years. Who are Ray's parents? What is her last name? What is her origin in the Star Wars story? Because that tells us so much more about who she is. And so for us to go in with that question burning is another way in which J.J. Abrams has set us up and Ryan Johnson has set us up to be on the same level, on equal footing with Ray as a character. She's an audience stand-in again, that we are so concerned with who her parents are and she is so concerned with who her parents are. She spent all of The Force Awakens projecting fatherly images on Han Solo and like longing for Han and Leia to just be her mother and father. She maybe didn't say so in so many words, but she mourned for them. She mourned for Han as though he were her father, and she wanted that family. And this has been a whole place where she she thinks she is missing something, that she won't know who she is until she knows who her parents are, and neither will we. So for her to go into that cave and ask it to show her her parents, that ultimate mystery box answer that will unlock all the secrets returns in vain. She sees nothing but herself. And there's a lot echoing throughout pop culture here. You know, I can see, uh, I, I can go back to the Wizard of Oz in the whole, like, if you can't find your heart's desire in your own backyard, you never lost to begin with, or the, you've had the power inside you all along. There's some positive ways to read it. But there's also some really powerful and painful recognition there in that we can't actually base our identity and our self-construction on who our parents are. We can't be Kylo Ren and be like, I am the grandson of Darth Vader and therefore I have to take my rightful place in the universe. Sometimes we're just us and that's enough. So it's a really weird place that she's in where that that feels lonely, but it also feels like an answer. I uh, I like where you're going with that. I'd like to add my own little take on to it. Do. I don't have any rebuttal um, whatsoever because I, I totally am in line in lockstep with what you just said. I would also add that the dark side power is fueled by the ego. It's fueled by the self and the self you know, you know, going out there and gratifying your own desires, your yes, own desires yeah. for power, your own desire for control, whatever your desires are, the dark side says, if you follow the power of the dark side, you'll get everything you want where the Jedi are more selfless. And I think it's telling that in her dark side vision in her, like her path towards the dark, what does it show her as the true answer herself? Yeah. Millions of versions of herself um, in a way trying to say, hey, you need to go, go deeper into you. And, you know, there is only you in the universe, you and your power. And I think it's telling that when after that, after she sees herself at the very end of the line of that mirror where she says, I will see my parents and she sees herself, she says in a voiceover, which we learn is her talking to Kylo, She's never felt so alone. And Kylo, his rebuttal is, and I will, I'll paraphrase it, but he says, there are no answers, just obstacles. You know, saying, 
it it is just about you. You're never going to know the truth. It doesn't matter. Get the things in your way, out of your way, any means necessary. I think this is the moment where we see one mentor in Luke unable to give her any of the guidance, education, or care that she needs. Give her none of the tools that she needs. And then we see a sort of miraculous connection with the most evil man in the galaxy, not named Snoke. And we see that she is turning to those answers because at least that's something. Because he's offering something. She has to reach for things, even in the most unlikely of places, because the person who's supposed to give it to her by whatever power was ordained in the Star Wars universe and the narrative uh, is, is not providing that. And so she goes to the bad boy and she gets drawn toward that side of the conflict. And Luke comes in right when Ray and Kylo force touch. And he instantly, the power of that force touch shatters the entire hut she's in. And Luke finally does give her a third lesson. Though it's not the one that we wanted, it's not the one she wanted or the one that he planned. When he says to her, this is not going to go the way you think. When Ray mistakes the connection with Kylo as Ray's, or as pardon me, as Ben's potential turn back to the light, and that Luke is right that Ben Solo is now Kylo Ren and he's not coming back, and his third lesson is it's not going to go the way you think. That's what you think the third lesson is. He doesn't give her the yeah. here's lesson three. That's that's the last thing that he really says yeah. to Ray, and he is absolutely right. That is the, and I think of all of his lessons, Luke's lessons are also very genuine. Mm-hmm. They're very honest, and they're very um, true. Yeah, it's funny. I I also had a theory on what the third lesson was. Uh, and it, it was less of something that he told to her and more of something that he just demonstrated through his behavior. And I thought that his third lesson to her was failure. And we hear Yoda echo it when he talks about passing on what you have learned, pass on you know your skills, pass on your powers, but also failure. Failure is the greatest teacher. Interesting. Expand on that a little for That's me. That's how I took it. Um, you know, we've talked about these parental figures or these authority figures and what happens when they let us down and how that can, that can really shake the ground that we walk on and can throw us in different directions that lead us down paths that are destructive, but it's also formative. Uh, in order to become the people that we really are, we must break our chains to our parents. We must break our tethers to uh, mentor figures and become leaders in our own right And in many ways, The Last Jedi sees a younger generation of characters learning to become leaders in the footsteps of those that came before them, either by taking the advice or by bucking the advice of the older generation. And so to impart to Rey that it's okay and it's normal and it happens to everyone to fail, he teaches her, you know, the most important lesson of getting your relationship to the force, getting your relationship to the world and other people, that people are going to let you down and you're going to let people down. 
but you have to keep going. That's a brilliant analysis. That is not what my initial takeaway is, but I fucking love that. Yeah. I think that's such a really awesome way to look at this. I think it's left open that we don't get that third lesson, and so we all get that opportunity to uh, interpret what Luke might have said if he had that chance to give her that lesson. But I think more importantly than what he might have put together in terms of a curriculum, he teaches through his actions that sometimes it's okay to fuck up. And even Buddha, who answered so many spiritual questions, left many unanswered that people have left pondering ever since. And there is no complete solution, final thought, nice, neat bow to the question of who am I in the face of this universe? What can I do with the time that I have here? How will I define myself? All of these questions that Ray is going through, no one can really answer for her and no one has the capability of really answering for her. And what we see when she realizes that the formation of Kylo is one part Kylo's failing and one part Luke's failing and that those failings are equal. She has no choice but to look at that as there is still a part of light in him. And I have no, no other recourse than to go to the my greatest enemies and surrender myself under the hope that maybe there's a shred of light left in Kylo. And ironically, uh, or no, maybe unironically, I should say, you know, Luke did the same in return for the, in return of the Jedi. Yeah. And Luke was right in this one. She was wrong. Yeah. Kylo doesn't have any light left in him, at least not in this movie. And her surrendering to him uh, didn't go the way that she thought it would. And she does fail to bring him to the light side. And she loses Luke Skywalker as a mentor, if she ever even had him. She loses Kylo as an ally or friend, if she ever had him. And at the end, all she is left is herself and the sacred Jedi text to try to figure out the mess that is her power and her place in this grand space opera. And it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. One more mentor down and she's again on her own. Um, I like to break up Ray's story into three parts, maybe not necessarily corresponding perfectly with the three act structure. Um, but I, I look at it as, like I said before, she's the bright eyed, bushy tailed doubling down on the light student. Who's ready to embark on her quest, ready to come into her own, ready to face her power and meet Luke Skywalker in that first, um, portion of her story. And then things get a little more complicated when she realizes that the legend is not the man, that Luke is not perfect, that this mentor she expected, when you meet your heroes, they're not what you thought they were going to be. And then she learns that there's a little more complicated story behind Kylo Ren. And maybe the dark side isn't so bad at all. Maybe it gives you the answers that you're seeking. And looking for that kind of balance isn't a bad thing. That's the sort of second part of her story where she gets drawn even physically closer to the dark side in the embodiment that is Kylo. 
she jets into like into the hangar to be close to him and to go to him and to plead her case. Where she emerges on the end, I think, is a an open question that I'm interested in discussing because I think it would be easy to say she starts out light, she moves toward the dark, she lands on balance. But I'm not sure if it's that simple. Um, it's You're right. And The Last Jedi is not that simple. No. Which is one of the reasons why there's a mixed reaction to this movie because where does Rey end up? The last thing I have written here in my notes, I have three words. Rey lifts rocks. And... The reason I wrote those three words, because one, there's the humor that when she first talks to Luke about the force, she's like, it's a power. It like lets me lift rocks. And he's just like, yeah, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard about the force. Um, you have no idea what you're talking about. And in the end, in order for the rebellion to begin, in order for hope to be restored to the galaxy, what does Ray have to do? Lift rocks. She has to do that simplest, most basic form of force manipulation that we can think of. And it ends up giving hope to the entire galaxy that the First Order can be defeated. And in this, I think, we don't know what the last chapter will be. And when we get the last chapter, we'll be able to put a nice, neat bow on everything. But here after chapter two of a three-part saga, we can certainly say that Rey is our hero. And Rey has the power and the ability, using the Force, to bring back some much-needed balance to the galaxy. And Rey lifts rocks. So whether or not the Jedi Order survives, who knows? Luke might be right. The order itself, the religion of the Jedi, as he calls it, may be part of the reason that the dark side will always get a foothold in the galaxy and there shouldn't be Jedi. Maybe a new order needs to emerge. Maybe there is no order anymore. But what, we, what I walked away from with Ray was a sense of optimism and hope that the events don't line up too thematically, but it's intuitive. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. I think, and I'll go back to something I have mentioned on the podcast before in our Last Jedi episode, um, the character of DJ, who's played by Benicio Del Toro, makes a really interesting comment about how the ship that he's stolen from this guy belongs to somebody who made money selling weapons to the bad guys and the good guys how in war there kind of are no sides. Everybody is in it for themselves. It's just a big machine. You blow them up today, they'll blow you up tomorrow. The best thing you can do is stay out of it. And I think in so, so many ways, what this movie is telling us is that no, that's not actually the case. Of course there is nuance to morality. Of course there is yin and yang. And the darkest dark has a little bit of light. And the lightest light has a little bit of dark. We are all infinitely complex. But what many of the characters are learning throughout this, this movie, and what Ray is learning, is that it's not worth it to sit back and say it'll all balance out. 
you actually do have to take a stand. And so even though she has seen that her hero in Luke Skywalker has darkness in him and has fucked up royally and has created Kylo Ren, and even though she sees that Kylo Ren, the most hated monster in the galaxy, has some little boy left in him and has some piece of him that is emotionally connected and that is, you know, interested in in some good, feels some pull to the light or has at some point. She sees that mixing of good and bad, and yet she comes out on on the, the side of light. She's ready to really put herself there instead of saying, I'm going to be a mix of both. She says, that's not good enough. I actually have to stand for light. And if to do so, I have to send a message by lifting rocks, doing the most basic Jedi thing ever, if that sends the message, then I'm going to do it. And in our own world, where we are currently at America, you know, 2018, I think we are all at a point where we can no longer afford to be on the sidelines. You know, we are at a, a major cultural, political, and economic precipice and the question is, what are the values that we're willing to fight for? Not whether or not it's worth fighting for values. And Ray comes down that I don't have the answers. I don't know where I am. I don't have a order to guide me, a leader to lead me. I don't have a truth that I can cling to, but I have an intuitive sense of what is right and wrong and I will let that guide me at all times. And though it sounds simple, my God, the world would be better if we all were a little more like Ray and willing to fight for the things that we know are right. Yeah. I'm going to draw a really, what seems like a, uh, a hair-splitting distinction here, but I think it's important to recognize that in the original trilogy, the band of, of people who were fighting against the Empire were the Rebel Alliance. They were the Rebellion. And here in the new trilogy, they're called the Resistance. At least in The Force Awakens, they're referred to as the Resistance over and over and over again. And that's their call to action, is resist. The words resist and rebel, I think, mean very different things. If you resist... You get in the way. You, uh, you pull against. You create friction. If you rebel, you fight. You go against in the most violent and strong and powerful way. It's like fire and water. And I think in The Last Jedi, our resistance becomes a rebellion. And that happens to all the characters, especially Rey. She becomes a character who's not just the undertow pulling against the great wave that is the, uh, the First Order. She becomes a character who is going to push back as hard as she can. And this movie is about passing the torch. It's about the old guard you know, laying down the mantle that's been on their shoulders for so, so long and saying, hey... This is not actually our fight anymore, and we can let go of our old biases and move on 
and let a younger generation come up, pick up the torch from us, and become the spark that will light the fire, that will burn the First Order down. And Ray is the, the masthead. Ray is the symbol of that new rebellion that is burning anew. Yeah, that's a interesting, interesting analysis there. That's really cool. I'm like, I'm totally into that. And I love the, uh, the wordplay there with the difference of the symbolism of the resistance versus the rebellion. You know, there are also a few little fun things. Like there's one thing that I, I, I noted that was just really endeared me to Ray. Yeah. So Ray comes from a desert planet, right? And there's just one scene where, you know, she's in Octu and it's raining and she just puts her hand out to touch the rain and just smiles like, oh my God, water coming from the sky. Yeah. That just reminds us that this character really uh, isn't very experienced in the universe, isn't a galaxy traveler, and is still like amused and entertained by things like rain. Yeah. Like little details like that, that still really endeared me, you know, in rewatching that, like I didn't really pick up the first time, but like, oh my God, she still loves the rain yeah. that I thought were really great. And I think that's something that, that drives again home that she's a kid, she's young and she's ready for this adventure. And there is a youthful optimism in her that gets muddied a little bit by this movie. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that, uh, that she, she has to come to terms with an uglier side of the universe than she's used to. And she has to see darkness and see pessimism and get close to that. But at heart, she still is that kid who sees the best in people, who puts faith in, in anyone who puts faith in her because all she's ever wanted is a family. And if she can make that happen, she's going to. Yeah, and other things that I think are fun to just point out too, uh, Ray and Ray's, with that point, Ray's symbolic and visual connection in this movie to water. Yeah. You know, she's constantly in, near, and around water and symbolized with water. And then when she gets to the throne room scene, um, then that symbolism switches to fire with her and Kylo being the like the sort of fiery smoltery, like you mentioned that like there's an animalistic temptation. Yeah. So when they're fighting, it is red. They're fighting red people. Ray throws, uh, you know, like a, a, like a weapon of the Praetorian guard. It's awesome that they're called the Praetorian guard, by the way, Roman reference. But anyway, we can get into that later if we have time and throws it. And it's Ray that starts the fire that starts burning the throne room. Yeah. You know, so I love how they play with the water fire imagery between her and Kylo that helps, I think, intensify the visual metaphor of their magnetism as well as them being opposite yeah. um, elemental forces. Opposite and balancing elemental forces, and they sort of pass it back and forth, each one of them at some time being associated with water and at some time being associated with fire. Gives us this really interesting push and pull between them where we don't know where our loyalties lie and we don't know where their loyalties lie and where they end at the end of this movie may be very different from where they end at the end of the next, but we feel connected to where they are now. And of them, only one of them ends up alone, which is Kylo. Mm -hmm. He has a galaxy to rule, but he's alone. And we see Ray 
with Finn. She finally gets to meet Poe and her and Leia get to comfort each other about the passing of Luke. And that really tells me very clearly where Ryan Johnson is that Ray is in the right. I love it. Um, Any, any final thoughts? I have one final thought and that's to kind of bring this back to the hero's journey and how uncertain we are as to what is going to happen next in this story, because it really could go anywhere with the rules that Ryan Johnson has cleared out of the way with the fact that he's sort of exploded this universe into a million different directions. We spend a good deal of this movie in the belly of the whale. Um, Ray is often literally depicted as inside of a tree with this womb-like energy, uh, um, womb-like imagery of the opening into the tree or in a cave, or uh, the characters are in a mine. People are confined in these spaces where they feel somehow almost safe, but also as though they're trapped. Um, We're in a really interesting place where the only way we can go from here is out and up or out and down. And so to be in the belly of the whale symbolizes this place where people are going to be at their worst and at their lowest point, but anything could happen next. Yeah, my final thought is that uh, the actor who plays Ray, Daisley Ridley, is phenomenally talented. And everything from the costume design to Ray's theme written by uh, John Williams to the script, to the story, to the sets, everything around this character is just like just teeming with talent and teeming with uh, amazing things that people like myself can podcast about and have discussions about that I'm just so grateful and humble and just amazed at what they've done with this character. And I think spending, you know, a you know, two weeks of my life dedicated to this character and understanding this character better has been so fruitful. It reminds me of the mission of the midnight myth, which is to understand the world better through the stories that we tell. And so where do I end at the end of this journey? What do I understand better? I think the ultimate lesson from two stories of Ray is to understand that your past will help define you but it's not the only thing that defines you who you choose to be and how you choose to act and react to the world at large will matter. Will you stand and fight? Will you take the easy path? Will you follow your own desires or will you sacrifice for the greater good? And I think all of us need to ask these questions And we're not all going to be brave rays all the time, but when we can be better believe it fucking matters. And if you can't find your heart's desire in your own backyard, you never lost it to begin with. And until next time, guys be kind and may the force be with you. (laughs) 